Welcome to the Book of Mormon. We're coming unto Christ through the words of the Book of Mormon. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, this day as we will look at 1 Nephi chapters 11 through 15. And uh, I testify that Jesus is our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we hearken to his words, God will greatly bless us in our journey through life. I welcome you this day to this class, and I pray that our Heavenly Father will bless you in your efforts to learn more about him, and that he will help you come unto his Son, yea, even the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will now start with First Nephi, chapters 11 through 15. Uh, we had just seen last time uh, Father Lehi's dream about the uh, tree of life. And so Nephi, his son, wants to inquire of the Lord to also understand the same interpretation of the uh, uh, tree of life vision that his father had. And we'll look here at uh, chapter 11, verse uh, 1. And it'd be helpful if you uh, bring your Book of Mormons uh, to our class as we will be looking at lots of scriptures each time so we can truly feel the power and the Spirit of the Lord uh, through the pages and the teachings of the Book of Mormon. If you don't have access to a Book of Mormon, if you go to uh, lds.org, uh, the webpage, uh, you'll be able to download uh, the uh, copy of the Book of Mormon online uh, there as well. Uh, and uh, so let's look now at uh, chapter 11, uh, verse 1. And for it came to pass after I had desired to know the things that my father had seen, and believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me. As I sat pondering in my heart, I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord, yea, into an exceedingly high mountain, which I had never before seen, and upon which I had never before set my foot. So here we learn multiple steps on how to receive revelation. First, Nephi says here that he desired to know the things that his father had seen. We need to truly know, uh, we need to truly desire to want to know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to want to know the truth of the Book of Mormon, uh, even the truth of the New Testament as taught uh, about Jesus Christ. Second of all, you need to believe that the Lord is able to make known unto you the truthfulness of these things. And then, obviously, you pray here. We saw that in the prior chapters where Nephi did go to the Lord in prayer. So with those things, and also pondering, you need to not, not just hope that God's going to tell you, but you need to ponder about it and, and think, are these really the words of Jesus Christ as we study the Book of Mormon? And so now he gets caught up into this exceedingly high mountain. And the Spirit of the Lord appears to him. And in verse uh, uh, here, and he says that, you know, to Nephi, he says, you know, what do you want, Nephi? And Nephi says, I desire to know the things that my father saw in his vision. And what do they mean? And so let's look now at uh, verse 6. And when I'd spoken these words, the Spirit cried with a loud voice, saying, Hosanna to the Lord, the Most High God, for he is God over all the earth. Yea, even above all, and blessed art thou, Nephi, because thou believest in the Son of the Most High God. Wherefore thou shalt behold the things which thou hast desired. Because Nephi believed in the Son of God, he was entitled to receive the revelation, to understand the things that his father saw in his dream or vision. And 
Here we have the Spirit of the Lord praising the Lord Jesus Christ. Elder James E. Talmadge, a modern-day apostle of Jesus Christ, believed that this was the Spirit of the Lord. This, in other words, this was the Holy Ghost. And that's why he's praising uh, the uh, Son of God. It would not make sense for the Son of God, if this was the spirit form of the premortal Jesus, to be praising himself. Obviously, this is the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, praising uh, the Son of God. And it's very, it's therefore, it's a very significant passage, as we don't have anywhere else in Scripture where a prophet sees the Holy Ghost, the third member of the Godhead, or the third member of the Trinity. And then in verse 11, And I said to him, uh, To know the interpretation thereof, for I spake unto him, as a man speaketh. For I beheld that he was in the form of a man. Yet nevertheless I knew that it was the Spirit of the Lord. And he spake unto me as a man speaketh with another. So here Nephi's experience with the Holy Ghost was the same that Moses had with the premortal Jesus Christ. Yea, even the Lord God Jehovah in Exodus 33, where Moses said that he spoke to Jehovah face to face as a man speaketh to another or to his friend. So here Nephi's, ha here Nephi's having the same experience as Moses, but only with the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Ghost. And so now let's look at verses 13 through 18. And it came to pass that I looked and beheld the great city of Jerusalem, and also other cities. And I beheld the city of Nazareth. And in the city of Nazareth, I beheld a virgin, and she was exceedingly fair and white. And it came to pass that I saw the heavens open, and an angel came down and stood before me. And he said unto me, Nephi, what beholdest thou, or what do you see? At this point the Holy Ghost is now gone. Nephi no longer sees the Holy Ghost. Now an angel comes down to continue this revelation that Nephi is experiencing. And he's seeing here the very mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, a virgin that was exceedingly fair and white. In verse 15, in answer to the angel's question, What beholdest thou? Nephi responds, And I said unto him, A virgin, most beautiful and fair above all other virgins. And so here we learn about the characteristics of the mother of Jesus Christ, that she was a very holy woman, that she was a beautiful, and I think Nephi here is saying, not just was she physically beautiful, but there was a spirit about her that she looked holy. She looked like the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what he's trying to say here. She looked more beautiful in the sense of, of looking holy, looking like a uh, mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, a saintly woman. And then in verses 16, And he said unto me, Knowest thou the condescension of God? And I said unto him, I know that he loveth his children. Nevertheless, I do not know the meaning of all things. And he said unto me, This is the angel, Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of the Son of God after the manner of the flesh. Mary did not just 
suddenly you know have the 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 baby Jesus jump into her uh, bodily uh, you know, into her body. No, it was through the natural process, after the manner of the flesh. Heavenly Father is truly the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God. And I testify that indeed Jesus was the Son of God. And let's look now at the verse... Um, uh, the, um, let's look now here at verses 19 through 21. And it came to pass that I beheld she was carried away in the Spirit. And after she had been carried away in the Spirit for the space of time, the angel spake unto me, saying, Look. And I looked and beheld the virgin again, bearing a child in her arms, the baby Jesus. And the angel said unto me, Behold, the Lamb of God, yea, even the Son of the Eternal Father. Knowest thou the meaning of the tree which thy father saw? And in verse 22, And I answered him, saying, Yea, it is the love of God, which sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of the children of men. Wherefore it is the most desirable of all things. And he spake unto me, saying, Yea, and most joyous to the soul. And I testify that the love of God, if we live so to be worthy of, to, of feeling the love of God, it always is there. Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally. He always wants us to feel the the joy of his love but when we cloud ourselves we cloud the channels of communication with the divine through unrighteous living it's hard to then feel this love of God but as we stay on the straight and narrow path leading back to our Heavenly Father we are more able to easily feel this love of God which is the most joyous thing to the soul in verse 24, And after he had said these words, he said unto me, Look. And I looked, and I beheld the Son of God going forth among the children of men. And I saw many fall down at his feet and worship him. For they recognized in this Jesus of Nazareth the presence of God the Father. They, knew his, they felt his spirit that he carried with him. They knew that this was the Son of God. And it came to pass, in verse 25, that I beheld that the rod of iron which my father had seen was the word of God, which led to the fountain of living waters or to the tree of life, which waters are a representation of the love of God. And I also beheld that the tree of life was a representation of the love of God. In verse 26 to 27, And the angel said unto me again, Look, and behold, the condescension of God, condescension, the Son of God coming down from heaven unto men. And I looked and beheld the Redeemer of the world, of whom my Father had spoken. And I also beheld the prophet who should prepare the way before him, John the Baptist. And the Lamb of God went forth and was baptized of him, John the Baptist. And after he was baptized, I beheld the heavens open. And the Holy Ghost came down out of heaven and abided upon him in the form of a dove. And after he got baptized, what did Jesus do in the New Testament? Well, he, in verse 28, And I beheld that he went forth ministering unto the people in power and great glory. And the multitudes were gathered together to hear him. We remember in the New Testament the events where Jesus had fed 5,000 after they had listened to him uh, preach upon 
this father's kingdom. He then fed these 5,000. So we see that there are multitudes that were gathered around to hear this the Lord Jesus Christ. And I beheld that they cast them out from among them. And yet, the evil adversary, the father of all lies, the devil himself, steered up the religious leaders in Jesus' day to crucify the Son of God. In verse 31, And he spake unto me again, the angel, Look, and I looked, and I beheld the Lamb of God going forth among the children of men. And I beheld multitudes of people who were sick and who were afflicted with all manner of diseases and with devils and unclean spirits. And the angel spake and showed all these things unto me. And they were healed by the power of the Lamb of God, and the devils and the unclean spirits were cast out. And we read that in the New Testament. Jesus went around healing the blind, healing the deaf, healing the, le the, the lepers, healing, uh, even raising the dead back to life. In verse 34, And after he was slain, so in verse 33 we should look at, And I, Nephi, saw that he was lifted up upon the cross and slain for the sins of the world. And after he was slain, I saw the multitudes of the earth, that they were gathered together to fight against the apostles of the Lamb. For thus were the twelve called by the angel of the Lord. So it wasn't just enough that the adversary led the wicked people of Jesus' time to fight against Jesus, to nail him to a cross. But then they fought against the twelve apostles and tried to kill them. They tried to stop the preaching of Jesus among the people in those days. And verse 35, And the multitude of the earth was gathered together, and I beheld that they were in a large and spacious building, like unto the building which my father saw. And the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Behold the world and the wisdom thereof. Yea, behold those of the house of Israel hath gathered together to fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And it came to pass that I saw and bear record that the great and spacious building was the pride of the world, and it fell, and the fall thereof was exceedingly great. Remember in Lehi's vision, as people would reach to the tree of life and partake of the fruit, the people in this great and spacious building were mocking them. Well, we see what the end of the wicked, God will crush them, as he did here, that the spacious building and it fell, and the fall thereof was exceedingly great. And the angel spake unto me again, saying, Thus shall be the destruction of all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, that shall fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Not just this, in this vision or this dream, that the great and spacious building, but that so will be the destruction of all those who fight against Jesus and his appointed apostles. Now we will look here at chapter 12. In chapter 12, verse 6. And I saw the heavens open, and the Lamb of God descending out of heaven. And he came down and showed himself unto them. So first here we're learning about Nephi, the future Nephites and the Lamanites. And how the descendants, and how the people are going to be fighting each other. And that in the time that after Jesus will be crucified... 
that many of these cities here in America will be sunk. This is in verse 4. And they will be burned with fire. And I saw many that tumbled to the earth because of the quaking thereof. And after that, what happened? Jesus Christ, and this is mentioned in the book of 3 Nephi, came down from heaven. He manifested himself literally to them, as it says in verse 6, and showed himself unto them. He let the people come forward and feel the prince in his, uh, the, the nail prince in his hands, in his feet, to know that he was the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was crucified for the sins of the world. And I do testify that Jesus was crucified for the sins of the world. Through his great love we could all repent of our sins and return to live with our Heavenly Father. Now let's look at 7 through 8. And I also saw and bear record that the Holy Ghost fell upon twelve others, and that they were ordained of God and chosen. And the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold the twelve disciples of the Lamb, who are chosen to minister unto thy seed. So here, as Jesus came to the Americas, he then also ordained twelve apostles, just as he did over in the land of Jerusalem, where Jesus Christ is upon the earth. There you will find the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And so therefore Jesus chose twelve apostles here in America and twelve in Jerusalem. Now these apostles here in America are called oftentimes the twelve disciples as they would have been under the jurisdiction and under the authority, uh, uh, spiritual and legal authority of the twelve uh, apostles over in Jerusalem. And so then we read here, after that, in verses 9 through 10. And he said unto me, Thou rememberest the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Behold, they are they who shall judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Wherefore, the twelve ministers of thy seed shall be judged of them, for ye are of the house of Israel. Now, why are there twelve apostles? There's twelve apostles because there were the twelve tribes of Israel. So, in, in theory, each apostle represents one of the tribes of the house of Israel. Under the direction of Jesus Christ, the chief judge, in the resurrection, uh, in, 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 in the day of judgment, these twelve apostles will then be under Jesus Christ to help in the, in the judging of uh, all mankind. Then we see that these twelve disciples here in America are then be, they will be judged by the twelve apostles, and then they will turn around and judge their own people. So the leadership, you know, it's a hierarchy of Christ the chief judge, followed by the twelve apostles, here in America the twelve disciples, you know, and, and, and so forth. And we will now look here at, um, uh, yeah, and so now next, the next thing that Nephi sees is the end of his people that the Lamanites and the Nephites will fight each other and that ultimately the Lamanites will overcome the Nephites and the, ne and the Nephite nation will be destroyed. And now let's look here at 13.1. Uh, uh, so chapter 13 and verse 1 and we will read here verses 1 through 9. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me saying, Look, and I looked, and behold many nations and kingdoms. He's having another vision here. He has these it's about seven different parts of this um, vision. And the angel said unto me, What beholdest thou? And I said, I behold many nations and kingdoms. 
And he said unto me, These are the nations and kingdoms of the Gentiles. And it came to pass that I saw among the nations of the Gentiles the formation of a great church. And the angel said unto me, Behold, the formation of a church, which is the most abominable above all other churches. Why is it abominable? It slayeth the saints of God, yea, and tortureth them, and, and bindeth them down, and yoketh them with the yoke of iron, and bringeth them down into captivity. And it came to pass that I beheld this great and abominable church, and I saw that the devil was the founder of it. And I saw the gold and the silver and the silks and scarlets and fine twined linen and all manner of precious clothing. And I saw many harlots. And the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold, the gold and the silver and the silks and the scarlets and the fine twined linen and the precious clothing and the harlots are the desires of this great and abominable church. This great and abominable church has their, has their hearts set on the things of the world the material possessions of the world. And also for the praise of the world do they destroy the saints of God and bring them down into captivity. The next thing that we see now here in, the, in chapter 13 is, uh, is Columbus now. The next few verses we'll talk about Columbus, how Columbus and other Gentiles will be coming forward and discovering the land of uh, the Americas, which literally was fulfilled, as we know as we study our history from uh, the Columbus and other early Gentile um, uh, sailors that came to America, and in um, uh, verse 16 through 19. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld that the Gentiles who had gone forth out of captivity did humble themselves before the Lord, and the power of the Lord was with them. Why were they led here to America? Because they had humbled themselves before the Lord, and the Lord blessed them. And I beheld that their mother Gentiles were gathered together upon the waters, and upon the land also to battle against them. Now what, did, what happened here? Well, this is the, uh, uh, the war, obviously, where the, the um, uh, founding uh, 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 fathers of the 13 American colonies had to fight off the British nation, that their mothers, right, the, the uh, mother Gentiles were gathered together upon the waters and upon the land from their navies and their armies to come here to the United States to fight these early settlers. And I beheld that the power of God was with them, and also that the wrath of God was upon all those that were gathered together against them to battle. As long as people will humble themselves before God, and seek to keep his commandments. You will have the power of God with you, and the wrath of God will be upon all the enemies of those righteous saints. Now we will look at verse 20 through 23. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld that they did prosper in the land. And I beheld a book, and it was carried forth among them. And the angel said unto me, Knowest thou the meaning of the book? He saw that they were bringing over the Bible. And he said, Behold, it proceedeth out of the mouth of a Jew. Who wrote the Bible? The Jewish people. And I, Nephi, beheld it, and he said unto me, The book that thou beholdest is a record of the Jews, which contains the covenants of the Lord, which he hath made unto the house of Israel. And it has also contained many of the prophecies of the holy prophets. 
and it is a record like unto the engravings which are upon the plates of brass, save there are not so many. We saw before that the plates of brass contained prophecies and uh, books of Zenos and Zenoch and Nahum. And the Bible does not have those. These are part of these plain and precious truths that were cut out of the biblical record. Nevertheless, they contain the covenants of the Lord, which he hath made unto the house of Israel. Wherefore, they are of great worth unto the Gentiles. Now in verse 24. And the angel of the Lord said unto me, Thou hast beheld that the book proceedeth forth from the mouth of a Jew. And when it proceedeth forth from the mouth of a Jew, it contained the fullness of the gospel of the Lord, of whom the twelve apostles bear record. And they bear record according to the truth which is in the Lamb of God. Wherefore these things go forth from the Jews in purity unto the Gentiles, according to the truth which is in God. So it was, it was pure, it was, it was truthful when it first left the Jewish people to go to the Gentiles. Once it went through the Gentiles, we see the corruption of the biblical text through the great and abominable church. Verse 26. And after they go forth by the hand of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, from the Jews unto the Gentiles, thou seest the formation of the great and abominable church, which is most abominable above all other churches. For behold, they have taken away from the gospel of the Lamb many parts which are plain and most precious, and also many covenants of the Lord have they taken away. What kind of covenants are these? Well, how about the sacramental prayers? We're going to get that restored through modern-day revelation and the doctrine and covenants, as well as later on at the end of the Book of Mormon. How about the baptismal formula? There's no baptismal formula in the New Testament. That has been taken out as well. Uh, and, and how about the uh, reception of the Holy Ghost? That's taken out. How about the blessing of uh, babies? Taken out. How about the anointing of uh, sick with oil? It's mentioned in James about the anointing of uh, sick uh, with oil. But the, the, the prayer and the, the, the formula and the method to administer such a blessing has been taken out. Many covenants truly have been taken away. In verse 27, and why did the devil do this through the great and abominable church? And all this they have done that they might pervert the right ways of the Lord, that they might blind the eyes and harden the hearts of the children of man. Wherefore thou seest that after the book hath gone forth through the hands of the great and abominable church, that there are many plain and precious things which are taken away from the book, which is the book of the Lamb. And after these plain and precious things were taken away, it goeth forth unto the nations of the Gentiles. And after it goeth forth unto the nations of the Gentiles, yea, even across the many waters which thou hast seen with the Gentiles, which have gone forth out of captivity, thou seest because of the many plain and precious things which have been taken out of the book, which were plain unto the understanding of the children of man, according to the plainness which is in the Lamb of God, because of these things which are taken away out of the gospel of the Lamb, an exceedingly great many do stumble. Yea, insomuch that Satan hath great power over them. And that's one of the great important things of the Book of Mormon. That's what makes the Book of Mormon so extremely valuable, is that it contains the basic principles of Jesus Christ. And they're written in such a way that are plain and, and uh, easy to understand. 
How about the book of Mormon? Look how easy this is, the kinds of things that we're reading and studying and learning in these lectures. Whereas in the Bible, when you, you know, try opening the book of uh, Romans or the Corinthians and trying to read through something like that, or the book of Revelation, it's, it's very difficult unless you've spent a lot of years and uh, begin to truly understand the ancient the Greek language that the New Testament's written in. Then you start to understand it uh, fully. But and, and, until then, it's, much, it's a much more difficult book to understand than the truths that are taught so plainly here in the Book of Mormon. And that's why the Book of Mormon is so important. That's why Heavenly Father wants everybody to have the Book of Mormon and everybody to study the Book of Mormon and for us to flood the earth with the Book of Mormon because it contains the precious and simple things of Jesus Christ. And now let's look here. Let's look now at verse 35. For behold, saith the Lamb, I will manifest myself unto thy seed that they shall write many things which I shall minister unto them, which shall be plain and precious, and after thy seed shall be destroyed and dwindle in unbelief, and also the seed of thy brethren. Behold, these things shall be hid up to come forth unto the Gentiles by the gift and power of the Lamb. So here again he's telling Nephi, the purpose of you, Nephi, writing this Book of Mormon, and I'm going to tell your descendants also to write these things, so that we can have this record of the plain and precious truths of Jesus Christ. And that when before that your seed will be destroyed by the Lamanites, I'm going to command uh, Moroni, one of thy descendants, to hide up these records that you've, your people have been keeping, to hide it up into the earth, so that therefore at the own due time of the Lord, I, the Lord God, will bring it forth and give it to the prophet Joseph Smith to translate. And so that, therefore, they can take these precious truths to the Gentiles and to also bring them uh, these things to the, thy, you know, to the descendants of the Lamanites, as well as any Nephites that mixed with the Lamanites over time. And we know that there were some as well. So this would include partial part of his seed as well. And so next we will look at uh, verse 37. And blessed are they who shall seek to bring forth my Zion at that day. For they shall have the gift and the power of the Holy Ghost. And if they endure unto the end, they shall be lifted up at the last day. And shall be saved in the everlasting kingdom of the Lamb. And whoso shall publish peace, yea, tidings of great joy. How beautiful upon the mountains shall they be. So here's the promise to missionaries or to others who seek to bring forth God's will, God's Zion, to build up Zion, the pure in heart, that they shall be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And if these faithful servants of God shall endure until the end, they shall be lifted up and saved in the everlasting kingdom of the Lamb. We will now look at verse 38. And it came to pass that I beheld the remnant of the seed of my brethren, and also the book of the Lamb of God, which had proceeded forth from the mouth of the Jew, that it came forth from the Gentiles unto the remnant of the seed of my brethren. So here he's talking about, yeah, this book of the Lamb did go forth by the mouth of the Jew, and that it also came unto the remnant of the seed of my brethren. And not only will they receive the Book of Mormon, an account of their ancestors, but they'd also receive the book of, of the Bible. 
And in verse 39, And after it had gone forth unto them, I beheld other books, which came forth by the power of the Lamb, from the Gentiles unto them, unto the convincing of the Gentiles, and the remnant of the seed of my brethren, and also the Jews, who were scattered upon all the face of the earth, that the records of the prophets and of the twelve apostles of the Lamb are true. And we've seen that. We've seen that in our day and time. Ever since 1830, when the Book of Mormon came forth, when the Book of Mormon was published, what have we seen? We've seen the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. We've seen the discovery of the Nag Hammadi Library. We've seen the discovery of the Books of Enoch, as well as many as the pseudepigraphal and apothecal writings that had been lost throughout history were all rediscovered. To, and what do they do? They testify that the truthfulness of the things in the Bible and in the Book of Mormon are true, that they are the word of the Lord God. In verse 41, 40, And the angel spake unto me, saying, These last records, which thou hast seen among the Gentiles, shall establish the truth of the first, which are of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, and shall make known the plain and precious things which have been taken away from them, and shall make known to all kindreds, tongues, and people, that the Lamb of God is the Son of God, the Son of the Eternal Father, and the Savior of the world, and that all men must come unto him, or they cannot be saved. And they must come according to the words which shall be established by the mouth of the Lamb. And the words of the Lamb shall be made known in the records of thy seed, as well as in the records of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Wherefore they both shall be established in one. For there is one God and one shepherd over all the earth. So what do we, we learn here? Well, that there must be that the words of the Lamb of God, the twelve apostles, as well as the, these, the Nephite record, the Book of Mormon, that the Book of Mormon and the Bible will become one in the hand of God. Literal fulfillment of the prophecy in Ezekiel. Take one stick for Judah, take one stick for Joseph, and they shall become one record in thine hand. And I testify that the Book of Mormon is the literal fulfillment of that prophecy of Ezekiel in chapter 37, in 16 through 19. That together, the Bible and the Book of Mormon, two witnesses bearing record that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. Now we will look here in, verse, uh, in chapter 14. So 14, verse 1 through 2. And it shall come to pass, if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, that he shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power, in very deed unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks, and harden not their hearts against the Lamb of God, they shall be numbered among the seed of thy father. Yea, they shall be numbered among the house of Israel, and they shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever. They shall be no more brought down into captivity, and the house of Israel shall no more be confounded. Now these are promises here to the Gentiles that were coming over to America, that if they would not harden their hearts, that God would bless them with power. You know, for a long time, the United States was the most powerful nation on the earth. Now the people are starting to reject the Lord. We have... Uh, uh, governmental leaders that are leading the people astray. 
that are leading them away from God. They're trying to take God out of the schools and out of the public and try to fight against people even praying in, in, uh, in public places and uh, taking away Ten Commandments, monuments, monuments, listing the Ten Commandments, the foundation of civilization. They've sought, sought to take these things away from the courthouses and from other public places. In uh, verse 6 through 7, Therefore, woe be unto the Gentiles, if it so be that they harden their hearts against the Lamb of God. For the time cometh, saith the Lamb of God, that I will work a great and a marvelous work among the children of man, a work which shall be everlasting, either on the one hand or on the other, either to the convincing them unto peace and life eternal, or unto the deliverance of them to the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds unto their being brought down into captivity and also into destruction, both temporally and spiritually, according to the captivity of the devil which I have spoken. The prophecy would be that if the Gentiles harden their hearts, if they no longer invite God into, into their lives, they will be destroyed temporally, financially, and spiritually as well. Not only are you you lose your temporal blessings and the wealth of the nations and uh, material possessions, but that you would also therefore give up your spiritual uh, inheritance in the kingdom of God. Uh, let's look at verse 10. And he said unto me, Behold, there are saved two churches only. The one is the church of the Lamb of God, and the other is the church of the devil. Wherefore, Whoso belongeth not to the church of the Lamb of God, belongeth to that great church which is the mother of abominations, and she is the whore of the whole earth. There's only two possibilities. Either you belong to the church of the Lamb of God, or you belong to the church of the devil. And so it's important that we study these things, and that we turn our lives over to God, and that we try to number ourselves among the church of the Lamb of God and not the church of the devil. You, there is no neutral ground. You're either for the Lord or you're for the devil. And you need to make sure that you make the right determination as to how you want to live your life because there will be judgments that will come forward based on how you've decided which course of life you decided to live. Let's look now at verse 12. And it came to pass that I beheld the church of the Lamb of God, and the numbers were few. There's always more wicked people than righteous people on the earth. It's easy to be wicked. That's what the, all your friends and all your neighbors uh, want you to be, is, is wicked like unto them. It's hard to be righteous and have the people in, the, in this vision that Lehi and Nephi saw in the spacious building mocking you as you try to live the commandments of God in your life. That's hard to do that. It's easy to mock people and try to pull them down into misery like unto yourselves. And, uh, and so that's what he's talking about here, that the Lamb of God, the numbers were few because of the wickedness and abominations of the whore who sat upon the many waters. Nevertheless, I beheld that the church of the Lamb, who were the saints of God, were also upon all the face of the earth, and their dominions upon the face of the earth were small, because of the wickedness of the great whore whom I saw. Now in verse 14. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, 
beheld the power of the Lamb of God, that it descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb, and upon the covenant people of the Lord, who were scattered upon all the face of the earth. And they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. And now 15 through 16. And it came to pass that it beheld that the wrath of God was poured out upon that great and abominable church, insomuch that there were wars and rumors of wars among all the nations and kindreds of the earth. And as there began to be wars and rumors of, of war among all the nations which belonged to the mother of abominations, the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold, the wrath of God is upon the mother of harlots, and behold, thou seest all these things. And then in verse 18 through 23. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me, saying, Look, and I looked and beheld a man, and he was dressed in a white robe. And, one of the, and the angel said unto me, Behold, one of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Behold, he shall see and write the remainder of these things, yea, and also many things which have been. And he shall also write concerning the end of the world. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the Apostle John, who in the book of Revelation will see all the whole earth's history from the beginning to the end uh, times, and all the cataclysms and the judgments of God that will be poured out upon the wicked in the last days prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ for his second coming upon the earth. Wherefore, the things which he, John, shall write are just and true. The things in the book of Revelation are just and true. And behold, they are written in the book which thou, proceed, which thou beheld proceeding out of the mouth of the Jew. We know the book of Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And at the time they proceeded out of the mouth of the Jew... Or at the time that the book proceedeth out of the mouth of the Jew, the things which were written were plain and pure and most precious and easy to the understanding of man. How would that be if the book of Revelation were easy and, uh, and uh, pre precious and easy to the understanding of all men? Now the prophet Joseph Smith did teach that, that the book of Revelation was, it was easy and uh, to those who have the spirit of prophecy. So if we seek to have the Spirit of the Lord with us in our hearts and in our minds and seek to learn by study and by revelation, then when we study the book of Revelation, the, the things in the book of Revelation will begin to open up to us and become plain and precious. Now we will next look at uh, verses 24 through 25. And behold, the things which this apostle of the Lamb shall write are many things which thou hast seen, Nephi. And behold, the remainder shalt thou see. And Nephi would also see the same things that John would. But because it was John's responsibility to write these things, Nephi is now going to be commanded not to write these things, but that he would see the, the, those things you know, as a blessing from God, just that he did not have the same responsibility as the Apostle John to actually write them down. And so now we will next look here at uh, verse 30. And now I make an end of speaking concerning the things which I saw while I was carried away in the Spirit. And if all the things which I saw are not written, the things which I have written are true. And thus it is, amen. So what he's saying here is that even if something happens and John is killed off early or John des decides to use his free agency, not to write the book of Revelation, 
Uh, nevertheless, the things that Nephi had written are true. And that's a, a, a great moment to be able to bear testimony of that. And I testified that the things that Nephi are, is teaching here are true, that this was a true revelation, a true vision that Nephi received uh, from, uh, this, uh, from the Holy Spirit as well as the angel on these things. In chapter uh, 15, and we're now getting ready to close up today for our lesson, which has been a great lesson, and it's been a, a lot of reading here of filling the spirit of the Book of Mormon as we read the very words of Jesus Christ. In chapter 15, we'll just look at a couple of things here. Verse 3, For he truly spake many great things unto them, which were hard to be understood. So the context here is that when Nephi goes back to the tent of his father, his brethren are still disputing one with another, trying to argue, well, what did Father Lehi mean when he, when he explained this and that in his vision? And so Nephi says here, For truly he did speak many great things unto them, which were hard to be understood. Save a man should, a man should inquire of the Lord, and they being hard in their hearts. Therefore they did not look unto the Lord as they ought to. And so we see that, uh, you know, if, if you continue to reject the Lord in your lives, if, if you don't want to inquire of the Lord, if things, uh, the things of God will stay, um, you know, hidden to you. They'll be difficult to understand. But if you open up your hearts to the Lord and approach Him in prayer to ask Him if these things be true and to help uh, you to understand the interpretation of the things that you are reading and studying, then God will make those things known unto you. And that's all his brothers needed to do was just to pray to Heavenly Father. And Heavenly Father would have revealed these things to them. They would have understood it the same as Nephi. They would have had the same revelation, the same vision that Nephi had. But they refused to, to ask Heavenly Father. And then in verses uh, 6 uh, through 11 here. And it came to pass that after I had received strength, I spake unto my brethren, desiring to know them the cause of their disputations. And they said, Behold, we cannot understand the words which our Father has spoken concerning the natural branches of the olive tree, and also concerning the Gentiles. And I said unto them, Have ye inquired of the Lord? Nephi knew that they hadn't inquired of the Lord. He's been telling them through all these chapters that they should inquire of the Lord to know these things. And they said unto me, We have not, for the Lord maketh no such thing known unto us. Well, if you believe that God will not reveal to you the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon or the truthfulness of whether Joseph Smith was a prophet or not, you will never know the truthfulness of those things. But if you will uh, um, hearken unto the Lord and ask Him, believing that He will reveal the answer to you, you can know that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. You can know that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God who brought forth the Book of Mormon and the restoration of these plain and precious things of the Gospel. In verse 10, Behold, I said unto them, How is it that ye do not keep the commandments of the Lord? How is it that ye will perish because of the hardness of your hearts? Do ye not remember the things which the Lord has said? If ye will not harden your hearts, then ask me in faith, believing that ye shall receive, with diligence in keeping my commandments. Surely these things shall be made known unto you. And I want to testify to you that if we will approach the Lord in prayer, if we will ask him that if these things that we've been studying, are these the word of God? Are these revelation? Is this true? Is Joseph Smith a prophet of God? I testify that he will reveal these things to you. How do I know this? Well, 
First of all, there is 16, more than 16 million members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, most of whom have all gone to Heavenly Father in prayer to ask if the Book of Mormon is true, if the Book of Mormon, along with the Bible, is the Word of God. And they have felt it in their hearts and in their souls through feelings of peace and joy and happiness that these things are true. I also testify that there are many others that I've met, even on my mission. You know, I had just as many people come to a knowledge and a testimony of the Book of Mormon than those who I helped get baptized. But due to the fear of man, due to the fear of their families, they refused to, uh, the, to join the church, even though they knew that God had revealed to them that the Book of Mormon is true. And I also testify that I know these things for myself, that I've approached Heavenly Father in prayer, that I've asked Him if the Book of Mormon is true, if it's the Word of God. And I testify that He answered my prayer, that He revealed to me that these things are the Word of God. Look how beautiful these things are that we looked at in this lecture tonight pure and precious things of the, the Lamb of God and the teachings of the Gospel. And these are the kinds of things that will help us build our testimonies concerning Jesus Christ. These are the kinds of things that will help us turn our lives to Jesus Christ. And if we so do so, Heavenly Father will greatly bless us with His Spirit, with joy, with happiness, with the blessings of everything that He would like us to have in this life, as well as eternal life in the world to come. We will be able to return to live with our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I testify of these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I want to remind you to, of our great challenge this year, to let's flood the earth with the Book of Mormon. Let's flood the earth with the knowledge of the Book of Mormon. Let's all work together as a great team of gospel ambassadors to take the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Book of Mormon throughout the whole world. Why don't we all together decide that we will share these teachings with one another, with our friends, with our families. May we show this, uh, teach people, help them find this video. Let's click that subscribe link so that we make sure that we can keep this uh, easy to find. Let's share these links to your family members and to your friends so that they may also become uh, better knowledge, uh, of, uh, gain a greater knowledge of the Book of Mormon, and that they may come unto Christ through the Book of Mormon. And I pray that as you so do so, Heavenly Father will bless you with great joy, with greater joy than you can comprehend at this time, to know that you've helped to uh, save your fellow mankind. And I testify of these things, and may I and I ask Heavenly Father to bless you and your families in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen.